0: From the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch the show on the ESPN app. Happy
1: Friday, one and all. It is the 16th day of December 2022. Dan Grassoff holding it down for Greeny right here on 98.7 ESPN And you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Call us at 800-919-ESPN. That's 800-919-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. And in college football season, without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. Speaking of the college football season, bowl season kicks off today. And, you know, if you decide to you know take part in an occasional wager here and there that is what bowl mania is all about so you got yourself a couple of games today and then onward and upward for the next few weeks i like the balls i think it's fun and you get that started here today and of course more importantly as far as we are concerned we got some football to attend to a huge football weekend and you know it's rarefied air for us is it not at least in this city that here we are in the middle of december Right. About 10 days away, week and a half from Christmas. And we got two football teams who are playing meaningful games, still have a lot to play for, still have a pretty damn good chance to make the playoffs. I, I I think one actually has a better chance than the other, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But huge games this weekend. Giants in prime time. Jets, after two tough road losses, come home in front of the fans, take on the Lions. So a lot of football in the air, which is nice. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. This time of year. So meaningful games can't ask for anything more than that if you're a fan of the Jets or the football Giants. But we got to start with baseball because last night, you know, and you could have been doing a bunch of different things last night. You could have been watching the Rangers, could have been watching the Devils, could have been watching Thursday night football as the San Francisco 49ers did. The Giants one big solid in continuing the Seattle Seahawks tailspin out there in the NFC. But whatever you might have been doing last night, you know, if you were out shopping, whatever, you get the little alert that Yankees strike again. And this time they didn't have to spend a boatload of money to retain one of their own guys. Instead, this was the Yankees spending a boatload of money to go out there and get someone who no question is going to upgrade this team, not just for 2023, but for years and years to come. And we're talking about Carlos Rodon. They get their guy. Six years a buck, sixty-two. Good money if you can get it, boys and girls. Really and truly, twenty-seven per. You know, and I tweeted this out last night too, as soon as it happened. I, I really have not felt this good about the Yankees starting rotation in years and years and years. Really, and I say that as an unbiased observer. Honestly, I'm not a Yankee fan, but if you look at it objectively, how do you not look at this staff one through five, and not think that it's clearly? Not just the best starting rotation in the American League East. Not just one of the best starting rotations in the American League, which I think right now is on par with the Houston Astros, believe it or not. If they could stay healthy, this might be one of the best starting rotations in baseball. And you have to go back to I don't know when. Pick the year to where you could say that about the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, Frankie Montas. Hands down, that's the best starting five in the American League East. Better than your Tampa Bay Rays. On par with the Houston Astros, as we said. you got to be really and truly excited if you're a Yankee fan. And I look, I know you had legitimate gripes over the last several years when the Yankees weren't necessarily in on the big-time free agents and maybe going about business the way they used to. But you can't make that gripe this time around. I understand Judge was one of your guys, but you know what? He was coming off a monumental season, and if the Yankees weren't going to give him that money, we know that there were a couple of other teams out there that were prepared to hit that number, and some would even go beyond it. So they had to play ball with the big boys. They did that. And then you know that they had to address the starting rotation. You know that the top two guys, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, they're off the board. Okay, so who's next on the list? If you wanted to go out there and ensure that you're getting yourself a true difference maker, Carlos Rodon was that guy. He was the only one left still out there. And does he come with his flaws and his question marks? Yeah, absolutely. Look, there is no perfect pitcher. You know, everybody has an issue. Everybody has a yeah, but... But you have to love this if you're a Yankee fan. And what I like about it is, you know, Judge you had to retain. Same thing with Anthony Rizzo. Just to kind of like stay where you were offensively. And I still think the Yankees could even look to address that even more as we move forward through this offseason. But this is a massive, massive upgrade if everybody stays healthy when it comes to that starting rotation. Think about it. You swapped out Jamison Tyone who got his money from the Chicago Cubs, congratulations to him. You know, good guy, works hard, decent pitcher, but he's not Carlos Rodon on his best day. He's not. You know, Jamison Tyone is somebody who's not going to compete for a Cy Young Award in his best year. Carlos Rodon could do that each and every season he steps on the mound if he could stay healthy. And what I like about it is, you know, the last several years, the Yankees had kind of fallen into this trap, right, where their formula to winning games – and to trying to get to a World Series was, you got an offense that can mash, right? Go out there and just bludgeon the opposition offensively. You got a strong bullpen. And those two things were going to be able to compensate for maybe at times that wasn't exactly the deepest starting rotation, right? And wasn't necessarily a rotation that you can count on from start to finish all season long. And what would happen was is that when the Yankees would get to the playoffs, those things would kind of get exposed a little bit. Because the bullpen, which you counted on all season long, and what was pretty damn good throughout the season, maybe not so much last year, but I'm talking going back a few seasons. You know, they would be on fumes by the time he got to October. And maybe the offense, when they run into good pitching, they wouldn't necessarily be hitting the baseball to the extent that they had been doing all throughout the year and especially that's going to happen when you go up against good pitching now you've got a rotation now you've got one that if they could stay healthy not only is it going to benefit you for 162 games it's also going to help you once you get to october and take on some of those good lineups right and if you don't know much about carlos rodon Guy was the third overall pick in the draft in 2014 out of NC State. He had Tommy John surgery in 2019. And what you saw from Carlos Rodon the last couple of years is he's somebody who finally, finally, took him a while, but he finally fulfilled some of that promise over the last two seasons. And he did it in both leagues, too. Did it in the big market in Chicago with the White Sox. Then he jumps to the National League last year, goes out to San Francisco, and has a phenomenal season, probably his best season from start to finish as a member of the Giants. And this is a guy, you know, you think about how quickly fortunes can change for players. This is a guy who, after the 2020 season, remember, because he was coming back from Tommy John, so he only, only threw like a couple of innings in 2020 in the pandemic-shortened year. He was non-tendered. By his own organization, the team that drafted him third overall, the Chicago White Sox. They're like, well, you know what? It hasn't worked out. It's already been five, six years. You know, injuries. Maybe this thing just isn't going to come to fruition with Carlos Rodon. Maybe he isn't going to be that dominant stud ace that we thought he was going to be. So they non-tender him. He ends up going back to Chicago, but he settles for $3 bucks in 2021. Think about that. You know, that's like barely above league minimum. Goes out there, has a splendid first half. Great first half. Then he kind of wore down a little bit. Remember, he had only thrown like six, seven innings the previous two years. So he wore down a little bit. Then he came back and he made a start in the playoffs for Chicago. But he got 130 innings. And he pitched okay. And he started to show you, you know what, this guy's got ability. This guy's got the arm talent. And then he goes to San Francisco last season. Still doesn't cash in as much as you would maybe think because I think the jury was still out. He only had that one decent season. And it wasn't really, wasn't really even a full year because you're talking about somebody who had to get shut down there a little bit in the back end after the break. But he goes out to San Francisco last year, makes 31 starts, 175-plus innings pitched, and he looked like that ace. He looked like that guy. So think about it. Two years ago, non-tendered, $3 million to now fast forward two seasons later, he's getting $162 million. Good for him. Really good for him. Tweaked some things mechanically, relied more on his legs with his delivery, maybe to cut down on some of the wear and tear with the arm to maybe keep him a little bit healthier and to keep him out there on the mound. You know, he's got that fastball velo that kind of went up a little bit, sitting around 95. You like to see that. You like to see that, and you hope that he's figured that out, and it's going to benefit him moving forward because, look, he ain't going anywhere. You got this guy now for six years. Six years. And, oh, by the way, this is just kind of like an added perk and an added bonus. In his career against the Houston Astros, which, remember, Yankees are still trying to close the gap on the team that swept them in the ALCS. Even even re-signing Aaron Judge and re-signing Anthony Rizzo, how did the Yankees close the gap on the Houston Astros? That was the, that was the big goal this offseason, was it not? How do you get closer to Houston? Well, Carlos Rodon has started seven games in his career against the Houston Astros. He's got a 1.55 ERA, 46 innings pitched. That doesn't hurt. Now, different year, different teams, different lineups, different circumstances. I get all that stuff. But you know what you have to acknowledge? No ifs, ands, or buts. That this morning, on December the 16th, 2022, the Yankees, on paper, are a much better baseball team than the one that got swept by those Houston Astros in October just a couple of months ago. Cannot dispute it. Gotta be excited about this. I'm not even a Yankee fan and I'm excited about it. This has the chance to be a special, special starting rotation, and I don't think I have to tell anybody that when the Yankees were at their absolute peak over the last two, three decades, when they were winning championships, a lot of it was on the back of that pretty damn good starting pitching, and if these guys could stay healthy, Yankees have as good, I'm going to say this, as good a rotation, one through five, as anybody in Major League Baseball. And those two guys at the front of it, Cole and Rodon, you can put them up there with any twosome in Major League Baseball. Is there work still to be done for the Yankees? Absolutely. Like I said, I wouldn't mind another bat or two. I wouldn't mind another arm in the bullpen. But the Yankees know that. But the heavy lifting portion of the offseason, I think, is done for the Yankees. I think it's done for the Mets, too. We'll talk about them a little bit later on. But boy, New York baseball is looking pretty good, and we're still a couple of months away from spring training, from pitchers and catchers. Got to be excited if you're a baseball fan. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Do you think the Yankees have closed the gap considerably on this Houston Astros team? I do. I really and truly do. And this is a team that already won a division champion last year. Hands down, they got to go into next season as the favorite again to repeat in the AL East. No questions asked. 800-919-3776 800-919-3776 is our telephone number. You can get me on Twitter, too, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Started talking Yanks, the big, the big acquisition of one Carlos Rodon. Of course, pending a physical, everything, you know, you got to do the physical, the checks to make sure that, you know, you're getting what you're paying for, for 162 mil, but a lot of things to like about that. And as I said, if you're a Yankee fan, you have to be over the moon with this starting rotation that, Brian Cashman and his staff have assembled right now in the American League East. Let's go to the phones. Anthony in the mail truck is going to be our lead off hitter here on 98.7. Anthony, good morning. How are you, my friend?
0: Dan, good morning, brother. How are you? Good, bud. What's up? Nothing much. First of all, I have a happy holiday if I don't talk to you until then. Um, I'm sure I will, uh, but I just wanted to get that out of the way. Thank you, buddy. You um, too. Of course. So, uh, I I am ecstatic this morning, and I'll tell you why. I mean, this uh, so many Yankee fans and and a couple of my buddies, you know, are saying, "Well, it wasn't our pitching that hurt; it was our hitting." But I just we we got a top front of the line starter who's a number one on probably more than half of the teams in the league. Do you agree? Hundred percent. And Garrett Cole would be the same thing. So you have two number ones on your team, and you have a couple twos and a couple threes. We have no fives on our team, except for Montas. Um, And even Montas, when he's, you know, right, he's a a pretty good starter. But, I mean, we'll see, you know, if the injuries hurt him last year. Um, But my main point is, you know, like I said, most of these Yankee fans, you know, they're saying, you know, well, it wasn't our pitching. I mean, these hitters knew going into every single game without Garrett Cole on the mound, who was a dog that – you know, the the pitching was going to give up runs. Now I know Nestor had an outlying season last year. Uh, Seve had a great bounce back season after injury. Um, but, you know, now in the back of their minds, they, they're saying to themselves, okay, we can look for this pitch that we want to hit because we don't have to chase and, you know, try and um, – you know, execute more runs where we can kind of just play, you know, play our game, get back to playing, you know, Yankee baseball. And I understand Yankee baseball for the most part, for, for the betterment of the past, you know, 10, 15 years um, has been, you know, hit the home run. But now, you know, we, we we need a left fielder and we need to figure out what we're doing with Torres. Other than that, I think I think we're set, Dan. And I, and I think, like you said earlier in the show, this team right now constructed – Maybe better than the Astros. I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see.
1: Thanks for taking the call, Dan. Anthony, good stuff. Appreciate it. I, I, I don't know if you're better than the Astros yet because, look, I don't even think the Astros are a finished product yet. You know, guy, it's still only the middle of December. You know, maybe all the big, splashy free agents are off the board, but there's still the trade market. And sometimes those are the best moves that you can make in the offseason. And look, it's no secret the Yankees are trying to unload their garbage on a couple of other teams out there. You know, if they could find a taker for Josh Donaldson, they would love to do that. And a couple of other guys as well. Right? But easier said than done. The thing about the Yankees, though, when you look at the starting rotation and you look at those five guys who were slated to be a part of it. You know, as Anthony was saying, Cole's an ace. Okay, Rodon is like a 1A. But Rodon still does come with a little bit of a track record when it comes to injuries. You know, you're only basing it off of the last two seasons where he was just locked down. This is a stud. This is a guy who's got, you know, Cy Young type stuff. You got to hope you get more of that. Now, you're making a big, you're making a $162 million commitment that you're going to get more of that guy moving forward. To me, believe it or not, still, and just like I thought about him a year ago, I still think the X factor is Luis Severino, because what type of Sevy are you getting? Are you getting the guy pre Tommy John surgery? Are you getting a guy who looked like he was going to be somebody who was maybe going to be the ace of a staff and who was going to lead this starting rotation for years and years to come? Remember that guy, you know, a guy who finished third in the Cy Young Award one year. Just dominant, dominant stuff. Guy who won almost, what, 35 games over a two-year period? You know, is that guy still lurking someplace? You know, you saw signs of it last year. You saw glimpses of it. But now maybe with a normal offseason under his belt to where he's not going to be rehabbing any sort of an injury, where he's not going to be saddled with any of this other stuff. Maybe you see a guy who's going to show up to spring training ready to rock and roll, who's going to give you anywhere from 175 to 200 innings, 30 plus starts. And could you imagine if you get the old Severino from, you know, let's say 2018 or whatnot, you might have like three potential number ones in this rotation. You know, Nestor, he had a great year last year, but all right, let me see what you do for an encore because everything, and and this is going to be tricky, everything that Nestor Cortez did last year, he's never come off of a season like that ever in his career, which means who knows what the type of workload is going to do for him as a follow-up, as an encore. And then Frankie Montas, you know, Frankie Montas was, and, and I'm not just pinning it down on him and saying that he was the only guy. But among the many reasons why the Yankees didn't get to where they wanted to go last year is because Frankie Montas gave them absolutely nothing when they acquired him from the Oakland A's. Absolutely nothing. He was a massive disappointment. And, you know, to compound matters, at least at the beginning there for a little bit, remember Jordan Montgomery, the guy who they parted ways with, had unbelievable stuff for the St. Louis Cardinals and was on a nice little roll there to begin his tenure with his new team before he kind of came back to earth a little bit. You know, Frankie Montas is a guy that two years ago, Finished sixth in the Cy Young Award. Was a guy who had big-time stuff. Big-time stuff. So what type of Frankie Montas are you getting? Is he healthy? Is he going to be healthy? Because that shoulder was not right last year. And it wasn't even when he was in the Bronx, too. He was even sidelined by that when he was still a member of the Oakland A's. Yankees just rolled the dice because the Yankees were kind of desperate. And they said, all right, we'll take a chance on this guy. If he could stay upright and you could keep him in one piece... You know, we might have something here. But now with the acquisition of a Carlos Rodon, you know, everybody else with the exception of Garrett Cole gets bumped down a peg in the pecking order. So now you're not relying on Montas as much to go out there and, you know, kind of be one of the big contributors of this rotation like they were doing when they acquired him last year. You know, if you're going into the season and Frankie Montas is your number five, you live with it. Because even if it doesn't work out and even if he's banged up or, or, or whatever, you know, you got depth. You know, you could find somebody else to go out there and throw as your fifth starter, whether that's a Clark Schmidt, whether it's a Domingo Herman, or whoever. You know, name your pitcher. To me, it's those top three, four guys that are ultimately going to decide where the Yankees go and how good this team can really and truly be. And if you're a fan, you got to be excited about it. 800 is the telephone number. As far as the football's concerned... Huge weekend for both the Jets and the Giants. You know, all season long as we kind of tried to sort this year out for these teams, and we tried to figure out, okay, how long is this going to last? Remember, the Giants were the big surprise. Nobody expected anything from this team this year. Rebuild, and they got off to that great start. Jets, on the other hand, they had all this talent, but you didn't know if they would be able to take that next step. And then ultimately, they got their act together. And then before you know it, at the midpoint of the season, you got the Jets and the Giants playing winning football. And then you could start to maybe entertain these thoughts about the playoffs potentially, right? That maybe this could be a fun winter for the New York football fans. And the more wins they started to stack up, both of them, you started to realize that, you know what? These games in December are going to mean something this year, right? We're going to have games until the very end of the regular season that actually are significant for both the Jets and the Giants. And regardless of what happens this Sunday, that still holds true. Every game the Giants play the rest of the season is going to mean something. Every game the Jets play the rest of the season is going to mean something. And I'll start with the Jets here because there's a little bit more intrigue with them going into this game this weekend than the Giants, and it has to do with the all-important quarterback position, as we know. Now, Robert Sala is slated to meet the media any minute now out there in Florham Park. And we'll wait to see if he delivers any more information regarding, you know, the quarterback, what their intentions are for this week, because, you know, Mike White has been limited at practice the last couple of days. And I know that the coach said back on Wednesday that they fully expect Mike White to start. Mike White met the media yesterday and said that he fully expects to start. But then the team also went out there and they elevated Zach Wilson from the number three to the number two in the event that let's say Mike White can't go or if Mike White starts the game, then that means that Zach Wilson is literally just one snap away from getting back out there and having to play quarterback. That to me is something that you have to pay some credence to. And it's funny because there's been a lot of jumping off the bandwagon I've sensed over the last two weeks. You get that sense as well? Maybe it's just me? I don't know. Not even so much, you know, even from a local standpoint, but even nationally. You know, everybody was in love with the Jets. Great story. Young players. Exciting team. Robert Sala doing a great job. Then everybody's on the Mike White bandwagon. Then they go out there in Minnesota, lose a game, go to Buffalo, lose a game. And now it's just like... I I, I mean, they're talking about the Detroit Lions as if they're the greatest show on turf. I mean, you would have think that Barry Sanders is going to be up here in the backfield running the ball for them on Sunday. I mean, and, and people dismissing the Jets as if they're, you know, like the same old Jets. Their record right now might as well be, you know, three and whatever, as opposed to a team that's playing winning football and knocking on the door to the playoffs. I find that kind of interesting. And I still think... That if the Jets can find a way to get to 10, that's always been the magic number all season. You get to 10, I still think that they're going to be in good shape as far as making the playoffs. And just, you know, the, the topsy-turvy nature of the, the National Football League, it could change like that. You know, by Sunday night, the Jets could be right back into a situation to where they're controlling their own destiny. Like, right now, they're out of the playoffs, But if things go their way in a couple of these games, they're right back in the driver's seat. You got two games coming up in a matter of five days, both at home. If you're a playoff team, you win both of those games. I know the Lions are better than the way they started the year at one and six. I get that. I know the Jaguars have shown you some things over the last few weeks here to where they're not necessarily pushovers. But if you fashion yourself a playoff team and a legitimate squad, you win both of these games. It's as simple as that. You know, you have the edge in both of them. But as far as the last two weeks go and why, you know, I, for one, am not necessarily pushing the panic button. You lost to two first-place teams on the road, one-score games. You know, like, if, if they lost by 30 to the Houston Texans, okay, then we can entertain that conversation. They lost to two pretty good teams. You know, not exactly a, a reason to sit there and mope and say, oh, you know, all hope is lost, we can't do anything. And Detroit, you know, they've won five out of last six. They're playing better. But I think this is going to be a wake-up call for them this week. I really and truly believe that. And case in point, you know, Detroit is fueled by this offense. right? That's the strength of their football team. Jared Goff, the backs who run the ball hard. St. Brown's a heck of a wide receiver. He's got the tight ends he throws the football to. Now you're going outdoors. They're going out into the cold. First of all, historically in his career, Jared Goff doesn't necessarily function well in cold weather. Okay, the numbers would support that. And if you just want to look at the home and road splits for Jared Goff this year and for the Lions as a team, at home, Jared Goff has thrown 20 touchdown passes this year in that nice, cozy, comfortable, climate-controlled Ford Field. 20 touchdowns at home for Jared Goff. You know how many touchdown passes he's thrown on the road this year, boys and girls? Two. Two. As in one, two. That's it. Defense ain't great either. Got the second worst run defense in the National Football League. So, yeah, I get it. They've been playing better. But they're still the Lions until proven otherwise. There's still the Detroit Lions. And, I mean, I got to hear people talking about, you know, Lions win this game. They're going to the playoffs. You know, whoever wins this game is going to the playoffs. Like, really? So, like, th- that's, that's what's happened here? Like, now the Jets and the Lions are on, like, equal footing? That, that, that's the conversation we're having. Okay. You know, fine. Who am I to object? But the way this thing is going to play itself out here in the AFC, you got four teams who are vying for two spots. That's what it's going to come down to. Jets, Dolphins, Pats, and the Chargers. And I think the Jets are going to get themselves some pretty good help out of town on the scoreboard this week, and I do. Miami's going to Buffalo tomorrow night. Okay? Snow is in the forecast. It's not going to be Miami-type weather for that football game. And Tua, who is starting to come back to earth a little bit, isn't it amazing, you know, Just about three, four weeks ago, everybody was putting two in the same category as Dan Marino, essentially. And now after a couple of games, people are starting to remind themselves or maybe get reminded that, oh, maybe this isn't the perfect quarterback again. Okay, maybe if you if you stack the seams, which is where Tua likes to throw the football and force him to throw the ball outside the numbers, maybe he struggles a little bit, which is what you saw Sunday night against the Chargers. Now he's going up against a, a Buffalo Bills defense, which almost killed Mike White, right? And a Buffalo team, which I know was a long time ago, and it was going to be, it was a hell of a lot warmer. But remember, Buffalo went down to Miami and lost earlier this year. What was it, like week two, week three? Very early in the season. Buffalo hasn't forgotten about that. Don't think for a second they forgot. You saw how well they did last week in avenging an earlier loss to the Jets. You don't think they're going to do the same to Miami Dolphins? So if the Dolphins lose that game tomorrow night, they're 8-6. and six. Jets take care of business Sunday, they're 8-6. and six. Jets have the tiebreaker over the Dolphins, at least now. They leapfrog Miami. Then you got New England, who's going out to Vegas to play the Raiders even though they're staying out on the West Coast. Same Patriots team, by the way, which weren't exactly world beaters on Monday night in Arizona. Arizona lost their starting quarterback, get, tried 17 different ways to give the game away, which is essentially what they did, and then New England finally took advantage of it. I said it before, I'll say it again. This is not a great Patriots team. And now you're going to have... Josh McDaniels, and I, look, the Raiders have plenty of issues on their own. But he got Josh McDaniels going up against his mentor, if you will, and Bill Belichick. The Raiders are home. Raiders are a much better team at home than they are on the road. I can't see the Patriots going out there and winning two games like that. So the Pats lose that game, then they're in the Jets' rearview, And then he got the Chargers, a team that you can't trust at all under any circumstances, They're hosting the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans, a lot more physical team than the Chargers, okay? A lot more physical team. They're scuffling a little bit right now. First time they have lost three consecutive games since Mike Vrabel's rookie season. I have more faith in a Mike Vrabel coach team than I do a Brandon Staley team. I think Tennessee could go win that game. Breaking news from Florham Park, New Jersey. Adam Schefter. I'm sure that Robert Sala is going to talk about this when he meets the media. According to sources, Jets doctors will not clear Mike White for contact before Sunday's game versus Detroit. So Zach Wilson starting against the Lions. White wanted to play in his practice, but Jets doctors are not signing off. Wilson back as the Jets' starting quarterback. Well, there you go. There you go. So now this conversation has taken a little bit of a different turn. Back to Zach. The Redemption Tour 2022 coming to a city near you. Actually, it's just coming to East Rutherford, at least for the next two games. Then after that, who knows? So Zach is back. Last time we saw Zach Wilson, he was leading the Jets up and down the field to two yards in the second half against the Patriots. This is news. We'll break it all down. Want to hear from you. Jet fans, you confident that number two has effectively reset himself? over the last few weeks and is going to be a different quarterback out there Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Breaking news out of Florham Park. Zach Wilson. Quarterback once again for the New York Jets, Mike White not cleared by the team doctors after suffering that rib injury against the Buffalo Bills last Sunday in Orchard Park. Can't send him out there, so it's going to be Zach Wilson once again as the starting quarterback. And, you know, the last few weeks, we debated, is Zach Wilson going to get his job back? Is Zach Wilson ever going to play again? And Robert Sala throughout this whole time, and remember, even when they decided to make the switch to Mike White going into the Bears game, Robert Sala was steadfast in saying, our intention is to get Zach Wilson back on the field. Now, obviously it's football, it's a physical game, it's a contact sport. So injuries are a part of it. And there's always that possibility that the quarterback is going to take a hit and get injured and then somebody else has to step in and play. I don't think that the Jets envisioned that this would be the way that Zach Wilson would get his job back. Because Mike White didn't do anything from a performance standpoint to lose that job or to merit being taken out of the game with the way he's played the last three contests. I know they only won one game, but as I said, they lost to two really good football teams in their building. And the last time we saw Zach Wilson, as I said right before we went to the break, last time we saw Zach, he led the offense to two yards in the second half up in Foxborough against the Patriots. And you would have to think that if Mike White was playing that game up in Foxborough, the Jets find a way to win it with how well the defense played. Remember, the defense only gave up three points that day. Pat scored the touchdown on the punt return at the end of the game. Defense only gave up a field goal. So you'd like to think that Mike White would have been able to manufacture more than three points, but woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's in the past. So now the question becomes easily it's the most important game of the season every game the Jets play from here on out is going to be their most important game of the season it's the Detroit Lions it's at home how do you look at this game now with Zach Wilson at quarterback versus Mike White I thought this would have been a get right game for the Jets if Mike White was the quarterback I thought the offense would have moved up and down the field against a very suspect Lions defense but Now I think those plans go out the window because I just don't know, and I think a lot of Jet fans are pretty along the same lines thinking that I don't know what you're going to get from Zach Wilson. Because last time we saw him, it wasn't very good. That's what led him to getting benched. He wasn't playing well. The offense wasn't playing well. And remember, it just wasn't the Patriots game. There were signs of this brewing even before that game up in Foxborough. I know that they beat the Buffalo Bills and he played, you know, a relatively mistake-free football game prior to that. I understand all those things, but he didn't play well against the Patriots at MetLife Stadium, obviously. That game up in Denver that they won, that was a little topsy-turvy, was it not? You know, he was kind of running around like a chicken with his head cut off and he was doing a couple of those wild, hey, let's throw the ball up to, you know, basically nobody and hope that it doesn't get intercepted, which thankfully for them it didn't. All those things added up to where they made the quarterback change. Now Zach Wilson is back. And we'll find out pretty quickly, has he learned anything from the so-called reset that he was experiencing the last three weeks to remember. You think about the trajectory here for Zach Wilson. He goes from starting quarterback to healthy scratch to where he's inactive the last three games. Wasn't even dressing to now being elevated to number two at the beginning of the week. And now he's the guy. The question that I pose to the Jet fan is this. Forget about the future. Forget about 2023 and, you know, what Zach Wilson or Mike White's future is going to be with this franchise. Let's just keep it to 2022 and the four games that are left on this schedule. Does Zach Wilson give the New York Jets the best chance to be successful and make the playoffs here in 2022? I don't know if I can say the answer is yes. I think if you've watched Mike White the last few weeks and you watch this offense under Zach Wilson, I don't know how you can say that Zach Wilson gives them the best chance to win. But you know what? He gives them the best chance to win on Sunday, given the state of Mike White and his ribs right now. 800 Let's go to the phones. Jose and Patterson up next here on 987 ESPN. Jose, how are you?
2: Senor Grasa, it is a disgusting day out here in New Jersey, and it is disgusting day as a Jets fan. Um, it is. Oh, you asked for the 22 season. What are Jets fans thoughts right now? My thoughts: It's over. This kid is a monumental bust. He's. What has he thrown for? A, a, a thousand yards in all these games we played. Mike White threw for over 900 in how many games? This kid cannot grasp the offense. He doesn't know how to play with talent. He thinks he's better than everyone with that big head. It is over. The season is over. When I heard this, when you broke the news, I'm in my car. Listen, I parked to call you. When you broke that news, I said, "Oh my God, the dreams we had of maybe seeing uh, the playoffs are over." Zach Wilson is going to. I mean, it's going to be disgusting. This guy, he, 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 he's he's Ryan Lee. Put him up there. Put him up there. He is a bust. And it's sad. It hurts because everybody loves Mike White. Everybody loves him. Even guys that aren't Jets fans love Mike White because they see that he plays for his team. Hurt. They see that he can work with the offense. They see that he's a dog. He's got that dog in him. This kid, Zach, oh, my God. It, it, my stomach's turned, Mr. Grasso. I, I, I'm sick.
1: Jose, hang in there. I don't want you to get sick, okay? But if you have to pull over again, and, and I thank you for the phone call, hang in there. You know, you could say everybody loves Mike White, and you're right. Everybody in that room loves Mike White. But you know what everybody else loves, too? As the old saying goes, everybody loves a winner. And I think if Zach Wilson goes out there on Sunday and leads his team to victory... Certainly not going to do anything to hurt his stock in that room or in the organization. That's the goal. Next man up. Just like when Zach Wilson got hurt back in in preseason and Joe Flacco had to step in, right? Joe Flacco won him a game. And that's what the objective here is, win a football game. Now, the saving grace, I think, for the Jets and for Zach Wilson is that the opponent you have coming up, as we said, this is not a world beater in the Detroit Lions, despite what the national media will have you believe. That all of a sudden, you know, this is a championship Detroit Lions team. Relax. But what I can tell you is that the way the Jets approach this thing offensively, what's Detroit's weakness? They can't stop the run. I would expect, if I was a betting man, to think that the Jets are going to heavily feature the ground game on Sunday. Which means you're going to see a lot of bam night. You're going to see a lot of of Michael Carter, some Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson against his old team, the Detroit Lions. You know, revenge game. And for a guy who hasn't played in three weeks, I wonder if they are going to loosen the reins, Mike LaFleur and company, with the way they call this. Are they going to have Zach Wilson drop back and throw the ball 30, 40 times on Sunday to the way they would if Mike White was back there? Or... Are they going to kind of slowly reintroduce him to being under center, to facing the live bullets, and to take advantage of a run game, which you hope is going to be able to fuel your offense because you're going up against a team whose run defense is god awful, right? That's the way you got to think it. And you know what? There's no more time for excuses. None. You got to win this game. The playoffs is still the goal. And I don't know how long Mike White is going to be out. I, I mean, that's a story for another time. I, I, I don't know. You know, ribs are a tricky thing. I don't know how fast they can heal. I don't think anybody does. But there is no way that the doctors or anybody in that type of capacity can, with clear conscience, just go ahead and send Mike White out there onto the field and say, yeah, go play if his ribs are compromised and his health is going to be something that would be in question if God forbid he takes one of those hits. How fast does it heal? Is it going to be one game? Is it going to be two games? We'll find out. But oh, by the way, Zach Wilson's got to go win the Jets a football game.